Timberwolves, the podcast, the Yale whiff and poofs of the podcast world. It's hosted by myself and my brother. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Welcome to episode 17, everybody. Just to be clear, we're still talking about the professional men's game of basketball. I know. March Madness is here. As we record this, it is uh, Thursday the 17th, and... Uh, we you know, probably watched, how many basketball games we watched today? Six, seven? Yeah, we watched lots of games in the afternoon, and um, as this is released all weekend, we'll be doing the same. It's going down. Lots of lots of those amateur games. My bracket is destroying Neil's bracket. I got Ooh. both that Yale, that Little Rock call. Yeah, I'm not doing good early, but uh, you know, it's 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 super early. It's too, too early it's in so the early. game. Literally Thir- the first day. It's super easy to get scared on Thursday and freak out. I'm trying not to do that right now, but uh, yeah, things aren't good for me, but that's okay. Let's talk about the the more professional, the, the greater form of basketball that's that right. is the NBA. We've got a Timberwolves podcast for you. The NBA season uh, continues on here. Maybe a good segue is shout out to last <laughs> night's win against the Grizz, the biggest win of yeah. the season for the Wolves because it means half-price pizza today. Awesome. And did, now, is it only for the day after or is it it's until the, for the next day. game? No, it's only for the day after. Only today. That's Sorry, it's, you're going to hear this and it's not going to do you any good. But Well, I think uh, hopefully the Wolves can get a win uh, Saturday in Houston and then Sunday will be another great uh, pizza day for yeah. March Madness uh, watchers. But Wolves yeah, we want to we want to um, run down a couple of the games, all the games uh, that happened in the last week uh, just because it's kind of been fun recently. The teams are playing week. better and yes, yeah, so it had some interesting games games and so we decided to talk about that talk about actual games happening typically we kind of go for bigger level like big picture ideas and stuff but let's just talk about the games that happened starting with last week we uh, beat the best team we played and we lost to the worst team we played (laughs) it's funny how that goes but yeah the the wolves uh little road trip uh happening right now and uh kicked it off by getting a win uh at the buzzer in oklahoma city fun game right very fun game yeah I really liked it, and uh, you know, even even before the buzzer beater, it's it's good good to go on the road and and play competently against an awesome team, right? And the Thunder are a lot of fun to watch. Man, I hope Kevin Durant finds a better team though in the off season. It's just sad seeing him struggle there. I mean, Serge is awesome and Russell's awesome, but a uh, team. They're a question mark. They got Randy Foy. <laughs> they got Randy Foy. I like Randy. Randy in the house. That's for sure. Oh. But yeah, awesome to see Ricky with the buzzer beater for his confidence for all the haters out there. He was three of six <laughs> from three on the, on the night. He's wow. taking it with a lot more confidence, as we talked about last week. Yeah. He's going into the rim with a lot more confidence, taking the shot with a lot more confidence. And it actually reminded me, it brought me back to Ricky Rubio's very first NBA game. We were there against the Dallas Mavericks. Ricky took a game-winning three-point attempt at the end of regulation, missed it. They went to overtime in that game. Oh, yeah. But for, I remember his very first game, he came into the league with the confidence He's to shoot those big shots. He yeah. always has been. And uh, I, it was a great read by Wiggins. Get that ball out of there. I, you know, I think that doesn't get enough credit either. Great pass from Wiggins. Sheesh, yeah. <laughs> and just like ice cold, Ricky knocks it down and turns around just stoic. Yeah, that was kind of strange. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it too, but it was it didn't seem right for him. Um, typically, he is the more demonstrative and in show uh, in you know showing his emotion on his face. Right. Seems like one of the top moments of his NBA yeah, career. It's, it's one thing for like Derrick Rose to hit a game winner and walk off stone faced. Right, that's just Derrick Rose. Yeah, but you're right. If anyone else on the team had hit that shot, Ricky would have been going nuts. 
So yeah, exactly. If it, exactly, he would be the cheerleader for somebody else. But maybe that's just his game. He's, he's just acting like he's been there before. He wants you know? the same for him. He wants someone else to you know be pumping their fists. Yeah, I think that was Carl Anthony Towns. In that it, situation. it seemed like everybody in the locker room after that game was more excited for Ricky than Ricky was. Even. Yeah, but you know, I everyone think, was so happy for him because everyone was like, he's been working on a shot so much. We've been seeing him just put all the time in on a shot. Yeah, and well, I think the other thing was you know, he's just it's just great to see him. It's just great to see him hit that shot and, and really build up his confidence going forward too it'll be, it'll be a stepping stone for him to continue to shoot those shots yeah that's a that's a great highlight win uh that, yeah. we'll remember that as one of the good memories of this past season absolutely and uh <laughs> the thunder i mean what the heck we're laying an egg i guess but i was thinking that both the thunder game and when we won in against memphis it's one of those things that in the future a year from now when we're visiting them they can say the last time the wolves won at at Oklahoma City oh, was yeah. just last year or like exactly. cuz i remember they're saying like we had it won in memphis for a long time and they're yeah. like but now you can reset that it doesn't matter that they were playing with an entirely injured squad yeah and there was a similar stat for the OKC game as well they just don't win in that building right you and know, so now just, we now we just reset those counters a little bit exactly i like that but uh unfortunately a couple nights later we could not get the win um in phoenix that was a fun game but it just uh, you know didn't didn't turn out uh, down the stretch how we wanted it to. It was interesting he, why it kind of fell apart in the yeah. fourth quarter. It really felt like when Gorgie wasn't in the game, we kind of lost control at the end. The Phoenix uh, lineup went small. Mm. They only had one center in, so we kept in Towns, and we were running around with. Uh, Baz, Levine, Wiggins, and Ricky out there. Yeah, Alex Len had uh, foul trouble, I think. So it was just Tyson. Uh, and it really and it, it ended up working. Um, I think that's interesting because, you know, we're going to see a lot more of that going forward. And it makes me think about what we talked about with the draft last week, about how there's a couple of uh, wings and how much do we need our wing player on the rotation? Yeah. How much do we want to get a guy who's kind of duplicates Andrew Wiggins' skill set? And we said we could always use another one. I think this is just an example of why. I mean, Cat's a really good small ball big, I think. But we just need someone who can defend better at the four because I think that's really where they took advantage of us. We need somebody who can be a uh, you know maybe a better defending three than Wiggins is right now. Wiggins is more at the two this season. It'd be nice if that guy was Shabazz. You know, the kind yeah. of a guy who Shabazz could, could step up and yeah, and be able to guard threes and some fours. Um, you know, that'd be something I think for him to work towards, and you know, at, you know, as as a way to you know, kind of be someone who could be with the team for longer. It'd be nice if they could defend, and we could put them in there in those situations. Sometimes I think of, I mean, usually we're very optimistic about Shabazz, but he just, I don't know, he hasn't really improved at all on that side of the ball in years, and his three point shooting is good. It's it's very good when you compare it to some of the other people on the team, but if he can't be a three and D kind of player who hits the threes and plays good D, like that's almost like, you know, the replacement level that you need to be at in the NBA. Like, yeah, we we've got a lot of guys who can fill it up. We've got a lot of guys who can make baskets. You know, he does it in kind of a diverse way where he's mostly snatching offensive boards and posting guys up. So it's nice that he has a diverse off- offensive game, but we do have a couple too many guys where defense is the hole in their game and we kind of have to <laughs> even that out a little bit. I just bit. feel like yeah, I would not I would not know how to extend his contract this summer if I were writing an extension, you know. I just don't Gorgies are definitely ahead of him in, oh, yeah. in, in, in as far as the both of them being in the same draft class and having about the same Gorgie contract. Gorgie has been so vital to how well our starting lineup has been running. A lot of people, well, since the All-Star break, if you haven't seen the stats that uh, they're talking about during the presentation or on Twitter, uh, since the All-Star break, our starting five has been one of the best starting fives by net rating in the yeah. league. We've definitely been one of the best offensive starting units, and even the defense is good enough that our net rating is one of the best just when our starters play. Awesome, yeah. Which is amazing, because yeah. a lot of those guys are the guys we're going to build around. 
And I think a lot of people have been giving Zach a lot of credit because he's been playing amazing since he switched to shooting guard. But just as important as playing Gorgie and Cat at the same time, we found they're very yeah. compatible together. And I think that our defense is really good when they're both in together. And it just seems like when they're playing together, it's it's good things for us. Yeah, I mean, it's, an, it's great to have seen that this season. I think that's one of the things when the season's done that we can kind of point to as something we learned. I mean, in a season with like the Wolves where it's not necessarily about wins, what that kind of means is you're developing people and you're trying to learn information about what your team is and what you need to get going forward. And, you know, I think with the draft coming up, with the Wolves almost certainly having a top five pick, you know, to know that you have Gorgie there as a big man, that's something that, you know, you can maybe take that information and, and do something with it at the draft. Maybe you go with a different direction. Uh, I know we, again, are both talking about best player, no matter who they are. But if it comes down to two guys, maybe a wing and a big who they have evenly matching and say, oh, no, we have Gorgie. Let's, we, we, can Gorgie. Go, we, we can go with the wing. Because that wing could be our big and small ball lineups, like yeah. we we're saying. So. The wing could play three when Gorgie and Towns are on the floor together and then can shift up ideally to four and guard small ball fours and have the agility but still the strength to do the small ball four business. That would yeah, be nice. Totally. Um, Gorgie, as I think it's very clear, he adds stuff to his game too. Sure. Every year he's doing new stuff, and even throughout the course of the season, you can see him add new things into the game that he's been practicing. Yeah, Jim Pete talks about how he practices with KG and, uh, on his footwork and you know not traveling. That's something that we've seen change. completely yeah. changed. From yeah. Every year his shooting changes and gets better. Yeah. And it's just you can easily see that where he's adding, whereas Shabazz, you can see the body transformation. He's working really hard oh, yeah. to really re-sculpt his entire body since his rookie season. But he basically has the same moves. Like, I think if we just watched a game of silhouettes where we couldn't see who, which player was, you know, which player, I could identify Shabazz right away because I've seen all of his moves so many times. Yeah. I feel like the scouting report on Shabazz has got to be pretty easy. Like, <laughs> like, he's got these moves. Once you see him start to do this, you know he's going to do this kind of thing. Like, yeah, don't let him spin I feel last. like 15 yeah. minutes of video on Shabazz and you could you could guard him pretty good. Uh, Scott, is there anything about the Memphis game we want to talk about? They basically beat a D-League team. Yeah, that's... Uh, that was flashes of last year. Flashes of our team last oh, year with all those uh, yeah, exactly. quick 10-day contract guys. And there's always one in the league. You know, Hopefully there's only one. Sometimes there's two or three. But there's always a couple teams that you just shake your head and you say, this is unreal, the level of injuries. They literally have like everyone that they came into the season with is injured. They just are ravaged. They said that on the broadcast, they said they have three injury exceptions. So they have 18 players on their roster. And this is after cutting Mario Chalmers. Wow. They have 18 yeah, players on their roster and not enough lockers in the clubhouse for every player on their roster to have a locker right now just bring a bag bring a big tote bag maybe you know uh bring maybe bring your own chair stool or something you're good yeah. to go you're on the team and Wait. the tough thing for the grizz is that like they have a bad team and they're not going to get a good pick yeah, they're in the playoffs they're right now they're, they're well in the playoffs, yeah, they, yeah they're not going to get a good pick but by being in the playoffs i believe they get to keep their pick i mean that oh sure I that doesn't do that. i mean they still thing. get a pick but you know again yeah it is going to be in the 20s or whatever so the you know. the grizzlies arena looked almost as empty as a timberwolves game Amazing. it was pretty shocking yeah, how few people guys yeah, it's very quiet. It's you, scary. I'm glad players. I'm glad the Wolves don't have that problem this year. It's really nice to not. I mean, that's just a crazy thing to go through the turmoil and the upheaval of all the different guys coming through, especially and, with the Grizzlies, because it feels like that's a team with their window closing. Uh, they've yeah, had a lot of great runs kind of deep in the playoffs. I was they've always been one of my favorite teams in the playoffs. I'm always cheering for the Grizzlies against whoever. Yeah, great. Home I like crowd. Their, their throwback style play. Great crowd. I love Zebo and Gasol and Tony Allen and Mike Conley. So there's a lot of great things that I like about the Grizzlies, but yeah. Conley's a free agent this summer. Gasol signed long term, but Zebo is now you know, on the last legs of his career. Tony Allen is probably on the downturn of his career as well. So 
you're just wondering who they're building around going forward. Right. And so it's a very tough thing for a fan of the Grizzlies to swallow, I would imagine. Just imagining that, like, this was one of our last shots at contention with this core. And whoops, blew it this year. Yeah, they, get, they had some good runs, but now they probably need some retooling. So as we're talking about, is there anything else that you want to talk about about the Grizzlies game? Uh, Zach obviously went off. <laughs> Zach had twenty nine, just supernova, like and we were saying earlier, lost so many heat checks. Like as many, I mean, Zach Levine, you know, he's good for one or two heat checks a game. It seemed like there were three or four or five in this game. So uh, so many moments. Our three leading scorers are now consistently our three twenty year old players. I know that Zach and Wiggins had just turned twenty one. Yeah, but they're in their age twenty seasons. Yeah, and they, like, count. they count. I think I saw a stat that said over the last twenty three games, Wiggins and Towns are both averaging twenty points, and Levine's averaging eighteen points, and they're all just. Great shooting percentages do. Yeah, and it continues on, especially from three, two from with Zach. Oh, Ooh. Wiggins had a few threes in that. Yeah, Grizzlies nice to game see. Nice to see him even taking them. I just want to see him take, take them right now. I mean, more than anything else, obviously you want him to go down, but it's just great to see him putting those shots up. I think one of the things I've realized from this past week is that Ricky's been going playing so well this past week. <laughs> He's on a great run. Weeks. Yeah, and it just goes to show you, like. Ricky is so much better when he has good players alongside him. When everyone's running with him, he looks so much better. When Zach's hitting shots. And, like, again, we just talked about how impressive Towns' numbers have been and Wiggins' numbers and Levine's numbers. But their numbers are good because Ricky's playing well. So it kind of goes hand in hand that they look good when Ricky's playing well. He makes them look good. And in return, they help him look a little better as well. Scott, let's go from some, you know, short term picture stuff to some big picture stuff. Speaking of the Grizzlies, things are getting complicated. There it is. That is a good, uh, good segue right there. We're talking about uh, the news this week. Um, reporting um, on the, the Steve Cla- Kaplan, uh, Glenn Taylor, Timberwolves sale. Uh, Glenn Taylor is uh, trying to sell a minority share. Um, about 30% or so um, of the team. Um, With the idea that that owner who buys the minority percentage would eventually take over the team and become the majority owner. Yeah, a couple of years time. maybe. Yeah, and then, then um, Steve Kaplan has been somebody who has, you know, that name has been floated by the local press before. We're very aware that Steve Kaplan is the guy for this for the last couple of months, and folks are just sort of wondering when it's all going to go down. But uh, news this week of trouble. Yeah, it's trouble with that process. The majority owner for the Grizzlies uh, is his para, Robert Para. He can dunk a ball without a trampoline. He <laughs> likes to play. Apparently, he does not involve his minority owners a whole lot. In fact, he was going to buy the team, and then one of his business deals went bad. He didn't have as much money, so he had to rush out and get a lot of minority owners so he could still buy the team. Those minority owners are like Justin Timberlake and like Peyton Manning. He got like a bunch of like celebrity minority it's owners. Like 25 people or something. Right. Yeah. And Steve Kaplan was one of them. And so Steve Kaplan wants to sell his minority stake so that he can become a Timberwolves minority. He owner. has to. He has to. <laughs> By league rules. Yeah. But it's becoming complicated because Para is making it difficult. There's also some rumors that like because Para is so controlling of the team, he doesn't let the minority owners have any say that it might hurt the sale price for Steve Kaplan's minor- minority stake. He wants to sell it for like a bunch of millions of dollars, and that might be worth half as much right now if all the rumors about how bad it is to work with Para come out. Sure. So he's got a financial stake in that. Then 
Glenn Taylor, on the other hand, is also kind of uh, keeping his cards up because there's a financial stake in there, too. He's saying some of the rumors are that now the team is so good and so young that he's pulling back on the suggestion. Maybe maybe he doesn't want to sell the team as quickly yeah. as he thought when he Might saw have to come it. with a better deal. Cat Wiggins. Yeah. And so everyone's kind of posturing. Uh, part of this is if also complicating it further is Kaplan has an option that if he stays around, it, it activates after another year or two with the Grizzlies where he would then be in a different position. So like each of them have like uh, bluffs. They each have leverage. Lots of angles. Lots of angles. <laughs> the main takeaway, though, for the Timberwolves fans who don't want to pay attention to all the, you know, the politics that go on with your sure. ownership is that it looks like we're still not going to have a new owner this summer when decisions have to be made about Milt and Sam Mitchell. The idea was that Kaplan, we were making, we were waiting on making a decision on Mitchell and our GM Milt Newton because we, the new minority owner would want to have a say in it. But, uh, you know, now it seems like he's not going to become the owner this summer. It might take another year or so, if at all. So yeah. how long do we delay making decisions about those guys? And I think that the decision to wait on Milt and, and Sam, they were going to get the year no matter what. You yeah. know what I mean? No matter how this sale went. But yes, you know, Kaplan would have had a say this summer coming up and, you know, hopefully we can, this can all get turned around and maybe the deal can happen and, 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 you know, we can still do this this summer, but that is looking increasingly, uh, not like, uh, unlikely, I guess. And, and that makes me wonder what, how is Milt going to act over the next year? Because I felt like if anything, Milt has been playing it very conservatively. Yes. He didn't really pull off any trades. We ended up having to buy out Kevin Martin. We couldn't trade him. Didn't trade anyone. Uh, also, it just seems like Milt is afraid of making a big mistake. And sometimes that can be a good thing, not trading anyone. It's better to you know keep Shabazz around, and we've been playing pretty well with the guys we've kept instead of like just trading Shabazz for an, a name or something like that. Yeah. So sometimes not doing anything dumb you know, like or not doing anything is better because you're not making dumb moves. Yeah. But it just seems like how courageous are we going to be in the draft? How courageous are we going to be with long-term free agent signings if Milt isn't confident that he has the power to make those decisions or that any one of those decisions could cost him his job? Yeah, this situation for sure um, alters what will happen this summer. What I just wonder is, you know, will there, obviously I think you need to figure out the GM situation before the coach, you know, happens in that order. I wonder if they can do something where they basically are going to run this back for one more year. I just, I just don't know how Milt is okay with that or how Sam Mitchell takes a one-year contract or something. Right. To me, that, that, that seems like the most logical thing. Like, if you don't have a new owner, okay, it's going to take one more year. Well, the guys, you know, well, did you, develop a little bit. Sam Mitchell, uh, maybe we give him an incomplete grade for some reason or whatever. Whatever, whatever Glenn Taylor is going to think about bringing these guys back, maybe the idea could be a very short-term situation again. Um, what you do is you sign them to a two, three-year deal. Like, I'd sign and Mitchell do a two-year deal with a mutual option for the third year, and if he stinks after one year or Kaplan buys the team and doesn't want him, after one year, you just cut him. You see coaches do that all the time. Yeah. George Carl's going to get three years of paid vacation out of the Kings <laughs> the way this is going. Yeah. I actually think that's been George Carl's aim this entire season is just get fired just free and get, miles, cash maybe. those checks. Yeah, I love it. And so, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing. It wouldn't be the first time this season even that uh, an NBA coach was let go with many years left on his deal. Right. Now, getting back to this situation, you know, lots of fans read this and think, okay, well, this means, you know, another year at least of Sam Mitchell. 
And that is troubling to, for most fans. That's something we talked about earlier in this season, you know, with the possibility that, hey, he could come back. And although lots of fans want to complain about him, you could see Glenn Taylor bringing him on back. You can see him making an argument, um, especially, especially with, if, well, I was going to say, especially with the, you know, with the growth of Gorgie and, and, uh, and, you know, Zach this season. That's going to be something he's going to point to. And there's going to be a case for Sam Mitchell coming back as coach, especially with this new situation. It seems more likely. There was already a case. I predicted it back in like January that he was going to be our coach. But now there's more of a case for keeping around, especially with this way we've been playing. We've been talking about how what we've seen from the team in March is so much better. It's a whole different team than what we saw in January. Yeah. And so you're seeing progress. You're seeing the players develop. And I think the players trust Sam. I think they like Sam. Um, you know, we're taking more threes. We're not still taking like enough threes. But yeah. lately we've been running. Uptick. And, and so I think there's especially my thing is if Glenn is going to fire Sam, he has to hire a new coach for next year with the knowledge that that new coach, the, Steve Kaplan, can come in and say, I don't like that new coach after a year. And then Glenn Taylor's got to fire that guy and yeah. hire another one. So the question is, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Glenn's going to see this and say, we got to keep Sam for another year. Just be, uh, I yeah, mean, this the new the regime, whatever the new regime is going to be, has to wait to come in until the new owner is going to be here. Right. It has to go in that order. So. But I just hope that if we do keep them around, there's not another year where they feel like they're these lame ducks. Where, right. Because like I said, Milt hasn't done anything this year that we've seen. Yeah. I'm sure he's pulling maybe off a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but it just seems like he's playing it very conservatively. And right now, like, like I said, maybe it's not the worst time to play conservatively. We've got a young team. It's not like we need to do anything drastic right now. Right. But I'd rather but those have, times are coming. I'd rather have a GM who feels empowered to do stuff. Yeah. Well, good. Well, hopefully that stuff gets figured out. Uh, Scott, let's pay some bills. Let's talk about our sponsor this week. And maybe we could buy the team if we sell ourselves out to the sponsor. That's right. We'll get no sponsor spots happening in the show. Today's sponsor is Nemanja Bielica's store, Secondhand Fouls. That's right. Secondhand Fouls. Nemanja Bielica is, you know, the, the owner, sole proprietor. Nobody has got more fouls than Nemanja, let me tell you. He's got so many fouls that he's reselling them to you, the general public. And let me tell you, nobody has quicker fouls, nobody has cheaper fouls than Nemanja Bielica. That's right. You saw it this week. Came into the game, came in as a sub, and uh, was called for a foul before one second went off before, the clock. Yeah, before the time even started running. This is it's amazing stuff. This is kind of like legendary level of foul accumulation. Something that former foul sponges like Nikola Pekovic can only dream of. They, you know, they thought they could get to this point, but Nemanja has them here. And so this is just a pop-up shop. Uh, he's going to end of the season, you know, before he takes his summer vacation. He's having a liquidation sale on all the fouls he's accumulated over the course of the season. That is a lot of fouls that have to go. And like I said, wow, they are such cheap fouls. Sometimes you wonder why the refs blew the whistle at Nemanja in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's not even worth it to blow your whistle, but they did. And uh, he collected the fouls, so, such cheap fouls, such low prices, uh, bargain basement prices going now, right now at Nemanja Bielitsa's secondhand fouls, you guys. You gotta get, you gotta check it out. Being a listener of the podcast, we got a special promo code yes. for you to use. Make sure you mention Timberwolves, the podcast. You'll receive a free aluminum whistle so that you can call your own fouls at home. Yeah, I know there's so many fouls around. You might, uh, you know, be able to afford lots of them um, at secondhand fouls. You absolutely will be able to see... Lots of fouls that you can afford. But then you also want to go home and call some of your own fouls on, on other people in your life. And, you know, they're going to give you the ability to do that with the free aluminum whistle. Uh, make sure you mention Timberwolves, the podcast. So next time you're downtown, check out the pop-up shop, Nemanja Bialica's Secondhand Fouls. And up next, it's Mailbag. 
It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag. Letters on letters like the alphabet, yo. This segment's called Mailbag. So if you got a question about the wolves, let us know. There's a good chance that we'll read it on the show. Yeah, send us your letters. Send us your messages. Send us your carrier pigeons. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Time for mailbag. Time for your mail. You send it. We read it. That's the deal. Appreciate everybody who's sending in their questions at Wolvescast on Twitter or head over to our website uh, and hit the contact link to send us a message. I want to give a shout out to Kevin who sent in a letter. He gave a recipe for his own biscuits, <laughs> but he put baking powder in there. You got to be careful, Kevin. Come that on. stuff is going to get you flagged. That's dangerous. You're going to get in trouble with the Postal Service. First question comes to us from James. He writes, hey guys, I noticed while watching Wolves Grizzlies this week that seemingly most of the Memphis players were wearing a headband. What sort of team dress code should the Wolves enforce? I like this. Teams that enforce an extra little bit of dress code. I know in baseball, the New York Yankees require everyone to be clean shaven. I didn't know that. Something that uh, former former Yankees star, now a manager in baseball, Don Mattingly, is the new manager for the Miami Marlins, and he's making all the Marlins shave as well. Now, is facial hair okay? You just have to keep it, like, trimmed up or whatever? Like, no no beards? No, like, kept beards? Well, in, in baseball, in general, you can grow whatever the heck you want on your face, but... No, for the no. Yankees. Last year, the Yankees had a small protest. A couple guys started growing little mustaches. Whoa. And so there's a couple little mustaches, and they all look terrible because it's like grown men <laughs> and, and with little mustaches. If you want to play even, for the Yankees, even you that was know. a scandal. So, yeah, if you're a Yankee, you're shaven, <laughs> clean shaven. I like when Robinson Cano, the namesake for my fantasy baseball team, the more you can know, mm-hmm. went from Yankee Stadium and got signed by the Mariners. Now he has full full blown beard. He's waiting. He was waiting for it the whole time. It's okay. great. So, what are some things that uh, the Wolves would wear? I'll go first. Mine's more of an off the court look. Um, you know, I think, you know, it'd be cool if the team, you often see like shots of the team, you know, coming into the arena, possibly getting off the bus, possibly. I think it'd be cool if they were all in uniform at that point, too, with a big. Uh, wolf fur hooded trench coat look. So they're all wearing, you know, it can be fake fur, whatever. Sure. You know, whatever, whatever, PETA, whatever you want to do. Fake fur, wolf fur, but full length. So we're talking seven footers. We're talking guys who are six, eight, six, nine, huge fur walking into the arena. Um, are you, you talking? Know, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but it seems like a Game yeah, of Thrones. That's what I'm look. thinking. Like a Game of Thrones look. You're, like, yeah. you're up at the wall, something like a big heavy jacket, something kind of intimidating, yeah. not just like. The like '90s hip hop star, like Shaq at the 2000 dunk contest, fur jacket. <laughs> exactly, something real intimidating. You know, maybe they can even wear them onto the court. You know, over their jerseys or something as warm ups. But I think something like that with the wolf fur uh, would be good. And I think that would look boss because like uh, we got a lot of skinny tall guys on our team, <laughs> and when you wear like something like that, it makes you look yes. like you could be a big guy under there. You know, <laughs> what's going on under that fur? I just read uh, this Chris Weber story about Michael Jordan intimidating them when he played for Washington for bowl. There was a game where before a playoff series, they were getting off the bus. And when they were getting off the bus at the United Center, uh, Jordan had his Ferrari parked in the garage by the bus. And they got off the bus and Jordan was smoking a cigar. He looked over to them. He said, which one of you guys guarded me tonight? Love it. That's the kind of intimidation, you know, the wolves jackets. I like that. What do you got, Scott? What should the wolves uh, start wearing uh, dress code style? I like beards. Beards. It's a big thing here in Minnesota. A lot of people are growing beards. So it's the anti-Yankee. It's the anti-Yankee. It's yeah. so cold up here. It's great to have you a beard in the be winter. Clean shaven. 
Although in Minnesota, you'll see a lot of people who have beards in the summer too. Yeah, Full blown beards riding their bikes. It's like, man, it's just, what? I don't know how you do it, but in the winter, it's very Sweaty. important to have a beard on your face in yeah. Minnesota so you can stay warm. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a consistent thing. That's also going to make you look tougher, like Vikings, you know, like all the Vikings wear their fur and have their beards and they're scary because yeah, of Yeah, I mean, Peck's a perfect example of a guy who rocks a beard and looks better for it, looks tougher for it, and I think it really works for him on the court. More guys should do that. I want to give a shout out too for, to the shoe guy. Here's a free idea for you, David mm. Fink, a friend yeah. of ours. Sure. Hopefully, listener listening. Of the show. He's a listener, so yeah, hopefully yeah. he's listening right now. Here's an idea that Nike should do a little promotional thing. Ooh, basket boots. Okay. So we all have to wear boots outside in the winter here in Minnesota. Yep. I think Nike should make a boot line that is about like boots that look like, you know, basketball shoes. So is the idea that, th- that you can wear them on and off the court? Wear them both, or is you know does it, what I'm wondering is does it need to be a performance? I think there should be shoe. an off court on court thing for Nike in general. I think the good idea is do like an off court series of like basket boots for like fans of basketball in cold areas. Yeah, and then I think for the Timberwolves for their dress code is they should have shoes that look like boots, <laughs> right? Just basketball shoes that that really you know maybe they come up really high, right? Or you know they have a thicker bottom to them. Get like an Adidas more looks than anything Adidas else. Red Wing boots crossover. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Something like that. It's like a big easy beers boot. and boots, man. That's the dress code <laughs> in Minnesota. There you go. There's some ideas for you, James. Thanks for the question. Question two comes us from Dakota. Dakota writes, uh, this week on the Bill Simmons podcast, Bill used a segment to outline why Kevin Durant should sign with his Boston Celtics this summer. Could you please do the same thing for the Minnesota Timberwolves? We'd be happy to, Dakota. Right. You know, we know Simmons uses his podcast for his Boston Celtics propaganda. Just as he being should. a good fan. Yeah, as he should. I yeah. like that about him. Yeah, so It's all good. He's good. It just doesn't matter that this fan over here, Bill Simmons, happens to have millions and millions of followers. I think it's a fan of ours asked a few weeks ago about how Bill, at the beginning of the season, had said we were going to be playoff bound after we were 8-8 eight and eight or whatever it was. And some of that, I want to say, was that Bill was dreaming of that because the Celtics keep uh, they get our pick if we were a playoff team. Yeah, they have our draft pick, and so yeah. Simmons was rooting. Two seconds. Now. He was he was talking us up because he wanted Boston <laughs> to have an extra pick in the first draft. It all he, comes back. It's to all. That the, angle. It all comes back to it. Okay. All everything he says. So Kevin Durant, uh, free agent this summer. Most people think he's going to sign a one year contract with OKC and then jump into the max market the year after once the cap really goes up. So whether he does that, whether he leaves this offseason or a year from now, let's let's tell him why Minnesota. Should be the place for him to come to. KD, you need to come to Minnesota because it's so chill here. So chill. So chill here. There's, you know, you might have noticed, uh, you know, all the media scrutiny around your recent decision. And uh, let me tell you, there's going to be none of that once you get to Minnesota. You know, it's very relaxed here. Like Jim Suhan will write some like shitty articles about you, but everyone hates him anyway. You can just brush him off. You know what? Actually, he'll be more concerned about like Joe Maurer or something <laughs> that usually you don't have to worry about. He's he'll, got other fish to he fry. He already hates Ricky Rubio, so I feel like, you know, you're going to get off easy with him. Right. And, you know, Oklahoma City, you don't think of that as a big, mean media market either. But we, we have it even better over here in Minnesota. Let me just say that. So you can come over here. Play with some stars, with some young budding stars, and uh, you know, finish your career out here in Minnesota. Yeah, don't think about what teams were good in the past. No, right now you've you, right now it's clear nobody's beating Golden State. This Golden State window is going to hold for another two years, maybe, and then they're going to be uh, you know has beens. So you got to be on the next gravy train. There you See go. the team that's coming up. You you know how perfectly he would slot in at the four there. Towns five, Wiggins three. You know. Wow. That w- and we got a new draft pick coming in. We got a top five draft pick coming in to add to the squad. 
You know, you can probably have your say of what coach you like, Kevin Durant. You, you want Scott Brooks? All this stuff. You want Scotty Brooks? You want who? Comes you, back. Who do you want us to pick here, man? Would you like Wanda to be our GM? Wanda could be our GM. You know, it's too bad that uh, KD, I know, used to be a fan of the, of the Minnesota Lynx, um, used to date uh, oh, sure. Monica Wright. So uh, he's familiar the Lynx, with the Target Center. Familiar with the Target Center, familiar with the area. You know, he probably has some sort of feelings already. It's too bad that, um, you know, she doesn't, A, she doesn't play for the Lynx anymore, and I don't think they're together anymore. Right. But still, you already know There's the a vibe. baseline there. You already know the vibe here in the city. You've been here in the summer, most importantly. You know, the winter, you know that from coming to Target Center, getting off the bus and stuff. But you've been here in the summer for Lynx season. It's beautiful. Beautiful state. And while we sign you, we can clear enough cap space to sign one of your friends, man. Exactly. Do a little recruiting, bring a guy in. You can have sort of a LeBron deal happening here. I think it'd be fair for you to ask pretty much anything at this point. You know, come into a city like this, come into a team like this, starved uh, to get back to the playoffs and to have another winning season. He would be a god here. He would be a god here. And also, don't knock the fact that... We're getting warmer winters. Our winter this summer, or this winter, our winter was so warm. Science. It, it's already spring here. There was like barely any winter. So you know, it's, it's just going to become, LA is going to become unbearably hot. There's a crazy drought. It'll fall into the sea. I think that you should consider the future and where you want to be. Minnesota is going to be the new LA, just climate wise. So long term, on the court and off the court. Minnesota Timberwolves are your best bet here. We have a lot of successful national companies that he could get those sponsorships from that oh, yeah. are based in Minnesota. Get all those 3M, not, maybe not Best Buy anymore because that stinks, but General Mills, you know, yeah, we, got, we got Target. It's he, on. Oh, man. Do you want to be like Taylor Swift? She was a Target in, in Target ads. Get oh, Kevin yeah. Durant, Taylor Swift, Target ads. You'd be the king of Minneapolis. There it is, right there. That's the pitch. I uh, wanted to thank. I don't know. Uh, I can say no. wanted to thank KD for listening to our show this week. Um, and you know, he didn't write in any mailbag questions, but we want to thank him anyway. We yeah. also want to thank James and Dakota for writing in. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. That was a great idea. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, next segment for you, we are going to predict it. We'll predict it. We'll predict it. We'll predict it. We got a crystal ball up in here. We'll predict it. Time to predict it, Scott. We're looking into the crystal ball. We are so far 100% accurate. No, that's not That's, not, that's right. what I say. Because I was about to say our predictions are always right, which is what we always say for predicted. Yeah. But we've been doing really poorly in some of these predictions. Yeah, we want to run down some of the um, some of our track record. Although my former prediction that Sam Mitchell's the coach next year looks better than ever right we'll now. We'll find out. Sitting pretty. We'll find out in, in June. Yeah. You know, we'll find out in June. It's true. Uh, but some of the other ones uh, we need to update you on. Um, we predicted that uh, Andrew Wiggins would win uh, Rising Stars MVP. Uh, he did not win Rising Stars MVP. His teammate, Zach Levine, won. So close, but close is not good enough <laughs> for predicted. What else, Scott? What else do we have on here? I said that Ricky Rubio was going to do a social media post from his All-Star vacation. He's going to be on a beach somewhere. <laughs> yeah, did he bonus, post it? Bonus points for being with another NBA player. Yeah. No, no photos. I, okay. searched, I searched them all. I searched... I even went to Ricky's friends, his known associates' uh, social media accounts. Wow. He's got some. He's got his Spain entourage. I and you can where look he through. went. We don't even know where he went. Yeah, that's the thing. He's being he's being more secretive than ever. He's got this Come cover on, up tattoo. Rick. We have no idea. We have no idea where he's vacationing. Oh man, let us into your life. Uh, I predicted that Carl uh, Anthony Towns would make more threes than Ricky Rubio. Nah, that's not happening. Going Ricky in the wrong Rubio, direction. Ricky has forty six made threes on the season. Cat has twenty one. 
Uh, that's that's not going to end well for me. No, I think you know the nice thing is though that Ricky's shooting so many. Yeah, that's good. It. No, Ricky, it's all Ricky's good. killing it. Yeah, I love it. Cat will get there. That might be a good prediction for next year. Uh, I predicted that Wiggins is going to score forty. Or still, still, still hasn't happened. Still got like fifteen games. or something. Uh, he's going to so. have to go off. It looks like ta- I feel like Towns is more likely. Or he, I man, still believe. I still believe he's shooting more threes. Like we said, that's what Wiggins need to do to get forty. Yeah, yeah, that's he's, true. That's, he's got to have is, a great three-point slash free throw game. Yeah, he has to have like three threes. Uh, like 15 he, free throws. Yeah, I was going to say like, yeah, 14 free throws is what I was thinking in my mind. And so then you're already so close to it. Yeah, okay. So let's get to our new predictions uh, here on Predict It. We are you know, looking into the future, looking into what might be. And uh, we need to um, predict some things. I will start. Scott, I think KG is going to retire. I think he's going to retire. I don't Whoa. know. If, I don't know if he's going to tell us he's, that he's going to retire, but I think this is his last season, and I think he might tell us before this, or he might not. But he's going to come back for one game, possibly the very last game of the season, April thirteenth against New Orleans. That's the last game of the season. Gorgie Jing bobblehead night, fan, oh, appreciation, wow. fan night. appreciation night. What better time than to come back, put on the jersey one more time? And again, I I don't know if he's the type of guy who would announce it beforehand so that he would get the sort of ceremony. I think the team might push him into that. Like, hey, if, yeah. you're, not, if you're thinking about it. Um, otherwise, I think it might be a summertime decision for him, and he's going to hang it up. Hopefully, he'll be back as a some sort of team personnel, direct, uh, you know, uh, on the bench, helping out guys some way or another. I don't want him to go, but I don't know how he can do this again with the way his body is. <laughs> so, I, we'll see. I still I disagree with you, but this is your yeah. prediction. We'll, yeah. see if it, we'll see if it's correct. This is a prediction. Every time I see it, though, I always think, is it too late to see KG? Now. It might be. It might be. <laughs> Every time I hear that song, now I can't. I can't help but hear the parody version. That KG we did. now. KG now. Scott, what's your prediction? My prediction is sooner or later, tied into this uh, NCAA March Madness that's going on, we're going to see Cat decked out in Kansas gear at some <laughs> press conference, just like some media day shoot Kansas. around thing. Yeah, all wearing all this Kansas gear because I think Kansas is going all the way this year. Yeah, I don't think Kentucky's going to do the same. Right, and these guys get very competitive about their college teams. They, they uh, even like a guy like Tayshon is probably still very competitive about his college team because this is just a pride that they have. For the you rest see them of their tweet lives. back and forth at each other a lot on right. Twitter. You know, go you know, especially Gorgie Jang and we've seen Tyus. There's a couple guys especially the younger ones are still connected very they, they played with those guys right. they, those are their teammates over there still playing in the madness you know they're the ones who get into it the most right exactly and there's usually a bet when they play each other just during the regular college season maybe like a hundred dollar bet yeah i've heard is kind of a common yep thing um or the one something like this where you have to wear the other team's jersey when you're when you're you gotta take a loses. picture looking bummed out wearing wearing all duke stuff or whatever. so yeah i think that <laughs> it's gotta it's gotta be either cat or tyus because it's not like ucla's in the tournament no UCLA. Year, like yep, Louisville's not in. Uh, nope. Yeah, so. because Louisville sanctions sanctions <laughs> from Gorgie's from the ti- days Gorgie was there. Yeah, uh, he didn't so say anything though. It's, it's either Tyus or um, or Cat. Yeah, or I mean, Wiggins. You mean Wiggins with Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wiggins is going to win the bet. Yeah, I see. Wiggins. So gonna, I'm Wiggins saying is going to win the bet. So who, uh, who's going down? Or maybe uh, Michigan State. Maybe a little uh, little Adrian Payne. Sure. You know, Actually, Michigan that's State good too. There. Eat, any of those guys, you can see them wearing Kansas gear any day because <laughs> uh, I think Kansas is going to win the bet and I think Wiggins is going to win his bet and that uh, poor Tyus is going to have to try on some Kansas gear keep your eye on Instagram we'll that's, see that's the prediction we'll see how it goes 
Those are our predictions. Uh, let us your, know your predictions for the end of the season. Got a couple weeks left. What's going to happen to finish out this season? Or your predictions for the offseason. <sighs> Lots of things can happen there. You Ooh. can't make a correct prediction unless you predict it before it happens. That's right. It's not a prediction then. Uh, cool. Let's, uh, let's jump into a game, Scott. Let's play a game. We always close out um, our show with a game. Um, this week, it has been a week of upsets uh, with the Wolves winning in OKC. Go Wolves. Major Good upset. Win. Good win. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even want to know what the betting line was coming into that OKC game. It was probably like OKC by eight or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. We, well, we beat them. So upset. And, of course, all the underdogs knocking off higher seeds in the NCAA tournament this Neil had weekend. Purdue in the Elite Eight. Neil oh, had man. Purdue in his Elite Eight. Come on, Purdue. I, I you had Baylor in his Sweet 16. I predicted that you would, you would win the game, ba- uh, Baylor and Purdue. Come on. Um, lots of tournament left. I keep telling myself that. Uh, so today we're going to play What Makes You More Upset. Mm. Get it? Upset. upset March Madness. Upset. So it's I a game it. about being upset. Um, it's just like Would You Rather. It's like that. You kind of have to pick either, either or. or. Either or situation. But uh, what makes you more upset? So let's get going with the first one. Scott, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What makes you more upset? Not drafting Steph Curry or not drafting DeMarcus Cousins? Well, what makes me more upset now? Well, or what, what makes me more upset what, in the day? What what makes you more upset when you think back to those decisions? Not, I mean, right now it's kind of like, yeah, they both turned into great guys. But when you were there watching those watching those drafts and what the Wolves needed at that time, what, who are you? What makes you more upset? I wasn't convinced that we had done a bad draft and just picking Ricky and Johnny until I saw Johnny Flynn play. So I didn't really regret that at the time. The way that I was upset when Boogie, when we took West instead of Boogie, it just seemed immediately apparent to me that Boogie was going to be a star in the league. And we knew he had questions about being a head case, but when you have a top four pick, you just go with the best talent, I think. Could you imagine Boogie and Kevin Love during those years playing together? It would have been a whole different team. I mean, that's the reason they didn't draft him. Right. I remember that. It's like, we have... We, we have, can't play with Kevin Love. We have Al Jefferson. We have Kevin Love. Why do we need DeMarcus Cousins? And then they trade Al Jefferson, right, that offseason anyways. They're saying, we can't draft DeMarcus because we have Al. And then they trade Al before the next season starts. Like, Yeah. I was upset about that at the time. Obviously, I'm more upset today about Steph, but it requires a bit of hindsight that... You know, even the people who said at the time, draft day, we should draft Steph over Ricky. Um, I don't think that they knew that this was going to happen. You yeah, know? You, you nailed it, right? You know, at the moment, DeMarcus Cousins, way more demoralizing. He was great that college basketball season. Um, him and John Wall and Eric Bledsoe were on the same team. Um, Monster team. In Kentucky, somehow did not win the title. But I remember watching him. He looked so good. He looked like a sure thing. They did flag him, obviously, for his you know emotional issues, for his temperament, that kind of thing. That was on the table already. You knew about that going in. But I remember when we picked Wes Johnson, being very upset. And yeah, I just, I guess I did console myself with the idea that oh, we already have Kevin Love and and Al Jefferson. It's going to be okay. But man, and Demarcus also, Cousins. Like, we're a team that's like, oh, we're afraid of Demarcus. He's got emotional issues. How about we just start Michael Beasley and Darko Milicic <laughs> together next sure, season? That'll be okay. Yeah. So, so really, I don't buy your argument, man. Yeah. You just chose was the wrong person i was much more upset the day of the demarcus cousins draft the day of the steph curry draft i was stoked about getting ricky rubio and that was that right. i didn't know this four-year kid from davidson was not on my radar yeah, exactly so uh, tiny eventual best player in the league and for like curry's first three years in the league it was always like is he going to be healthy enough to play a season yeah <laughs> um next one scott what makes you more upset 
Target Center renovations being delayed, or 12 straight losing seasons of Timberwolves basketball? I'll let you take this one first. I'm going to start. This one, uh, you know, Target Center renovations are something we have talked a lot about on this podcast, something we've been looking forward to for a long time. We maybe overrate how important they are, uh, but I, the answer here is losing 12 straight seasons in a row, not having a winning record, not being in the playoffs. You know, this question is not necessarily about the playoffs, just more about winning more games than we do lose, and that has not happened for 12 straight years. Years. So close one year with with Love and Adelman went 40 and 42, I think. So, yeah. so close on there. But it just sucks to always be one of the worst teams and be known as that. It'd be great to finally dig ourselves out of that hole. And it's kind of true. Be on top. There's two different aspects to this. One side of it is to not be have a winning record. But the other side of it is like to actually be one of the worst teams. It's not like we are like think of a team this year. Like I thought the Blazers weren't going to make the playoffs this year, but they'd still like be good. Yeah. And like think of that or like the Bucks are. Or, or, there's a lot of teams in the East, like the Wizards might not make it, yeah. but they're like playing competitive basketball and they're not, you know, they're still going to win like 30 some. Yeah, games. they're around 500. It feels like we're always in the 20s and wins or like the teens and wins. Yeah, it's predicting how, you know, uh, will we be bottom five or will we only be bottom 10? Oh, we'll see. So I feel a little twisted about this one though because it's like when a flower grows in a dark room, it doesn't even know what it's missing. <laughs> it's been so long since we've been in the playoffs, it's been so long since we've had a winning team. I feel like I've really it's so far grown, away. I've fallen in love with this team and really grown as a fan so much over the last like six seasons yes. that it's just like I, I enjoy a lot of things about this team that are associated with them being bad, like going to an empty, like getting good seats for a low price, or like there are some getting excited or doing like draft scouting and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm not saying like I'd rather have, have be a bad team than a good team, but I just feel like. The Target Center Arena, which is something that only matters to fans who are going to games. So yes. maybe it's something that we overblow because we're in Minneapolis <laughs> and we go to games. If you're, you know, living in Duluth and are a Wolves fan, it's, yeah. it's nothing to you. But like, it's such an inconvenience, and like, it would raise my quality of life a lot if it were better. Also, like Target Center renovations have always been teased towards us. That's the other thing. They've too. always been teased to us. Whereas winning, not necessarily. We're always on the rise, right? But there's ne- or you know, look at what's next, or the future is bright. But it's never like this team should win more games than they lose that's never really been the idea that's we've never really gotten to that point we've always been building to that point whereas target center renovations have been promised and uh, laid out and mocked up and put in our face and voted upon and you know, all these things I do been think, right there for us to grab i do think though my disdain for the target center is in addition to how bad the team is because it's like we're going to see this bad team. The least you can do is give us an armrest that doesn't break <laughs> off when we put our elbow on it, you know? But uh, I guess, yeah, if I'm being off myself, the losing is probably what upsets me more. Yeah. All right. Last one here, uh, you know, for what makes you more upset, we have uh, Sam Mitchell not staggering lineups or Sam Mitchell not emphasizing three-point shots. What makes you more upset, Scott? Um, this is a good Threes question. or substitution patterns? Because I think we saw a glimpse of this in the Memphis game when Sam was playing cat with the bench unit. Like, About time. He was, and it helped Tyus and it great. helped Shabazz oh, so helps much. Tyus so much. When, yeah, when there's someone he can bail it out to. And yes. So I like that. I wish he would do that more because he doesn't stagger his rotations. But the three pointers just kill me. We can't be competitive when we're not taking them. Um, we're doing better now, and uh, that's great. But there were so many games where we said they would take more or they would make more three-pointers than we took. <laughs> and I just said we were going to lose 100% of the games where they make more than we take. And we have. Yeah, exactly. And that's... so it's just like a way that's like you could win with bad rotations, but you can't win a game 
And it also speaks to the future. Like, okay, maybe we're not playing towns with the bench unit, but these bench guys are going to be gone by the time we're good. These bench guys are going to be somewhere else next year or the year after. So let's just focus on building the chemistry with the starting lineup. I can see that argument. I can't see the argument that our young guys are getting better by not having them shoot threes and get used to that part of the game. Yeah, being behind the ball and the, you know, as far as being a modern NBA offense is, is really troubling and that's really hard to watch. And, you know, I think the Timberwolves could have won more games this year if they would have been put in a better position. Just the suggestion that, like, you can't drop plays for a three pointer. Like, of course you can. You know, like, of course you can drop plays to get open threes. It just seems like Sam's not interested in finding those threes. Yeah, so shooting more threes, uh, that's something we're seeing more often um, as we close out the season here. But still not enough, obviously. And that's something that, you know, I think if Sam wants to continue being the coach of this team, you know, I think he's going to have to answer to some people in the front office about this and hopefully have some sort of plan for how, you know, again, you don't have to lead the league. You don't even need to be in the top half of the league. Just get up there a little bit higher. You have to join the ranks of, of a slightly more efficient basketball. here. Let's have the gap between the wolves and like the average be smaller than the gap between the Wolves and the second to last team because like there's still a huge gap between the Wolves and the 29th most you know three speed yeah and lineups you know lineups I think is is something that's tough for Sam although he has had great uh health this week uh this season you know most of his guys have been available all year um you know I think when you're dealing with a super young team although it does help to like we're saying give Tyus some starters to be out there with I think when you're dealing with a young team, a lot of it is experimentation. A lot of it is trying combinations, trying to see if certain players can do X, can do Y, can defend this guy. Sure. So I think some of those lineups in this kind of season can be forgiven. Although like I, they called it out on the on the broadcast against the Memphis game, is that in so many of these recent games, we've seen that once the bench unit comes in, that's where we blow the lead and we lose the game. Eventually, that's what kind of yep. happened with the Suns, was that we would, we'd pick up a lead with the starters and then Tyus would come in with Adrian Payne and they just can't play defense, you Ooh. know. And so uh, that's why, like, when we lose the games, we called it last week uh, Sam Mitchell's subtle tanking strategy. And <laughs> right. so, uh, you know, it would be nice to not leave those guys out there to dry. That's right. That's our game. What makes you more upset because of upsets? I was going to say something <laughs> on the draft pick one, too. Yeah. What really makes me more upset than Boogie or Steph at the time was the, our, our tendency to, like, trade down late round picks into cash. Oh, yeah. Or the, our way to sell off all of our second round picks yeah. for cash. And yeah. you just see, like, other teams getting, like, good value in the second round and the Wolves That's being not. like, you know what? $200,000 is actually more valuable than a second round pick. All this stuff is David Kahn era stuff. Oh, <laughs> I hated it so much. I hated it so much. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to our show this week, despite all the damages David Kahn has done to our team. Yes, hopefully you You're have still a- here. <laughs> you're maybe you're here because of it. Yeah, you're just some therapy at this point. You know, point. if if we were a good team five years ago, you'd be listening to like ESPN Radio talk about the Wolves or something. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't need us, but because nobody else will do it, except yeah. for the other eight great Wolves podcasts out there. We uh, we are going to continue giving you weekly podcasts uh, to the end of the season, you guys. So thank you for listening here at the end of the year, even though it's March Madness time. It's college basketball focused time. Thanks for the to the fans who showed up at my trivia. Uh, it's Darby's. I do a tr- I host trivia every Tuesday night, yeah. 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. Come play with some other listeners from the pod. If you know stuff, it's a good place to show up and be able to display the fact that you know stuff. It's a lot of fun. And so uh, we're going to be out on the patio soon. Once we get that patio weather going, Neil Ooh, brings his dog every week. It's great. Love it. Love it. Come on out to Darby's and do some trivia. Come on back next week for another great episode of Timberwolves, the podcast. Not guys. too many weeks left, so you, you got you to gotta, you know, embrace it all while you can. 
Absolutely. All right, everybody. In the immortal words of a very wise man, Ricky Rubio is a catalyst for goodness on the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs>